welcome back to Weird on the Rocks. This is a podcast that explores the weird, unusual, strange, and unexplained, all while getting our drink on. I'm your host, Katie. Today's episode is going to focus on the disorder known as Munchausen Syndrome by Proxy, which I will be referring to as Munchausen's in today's episode. And I will specifically be discussing the case of Dee Dee Blanchard and her daughter, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And I want to add a little trigger warning. Today's episode is going to talk about a form of child abuse. It's a very sad and disturbing case. So if things like this are triggering for you, please don't listen. If you're into true crime at all, this is probably a case you've heard about a lot. There was an HBO documentary about this story made in 2017 called Mommy, Dead, and Dearest. And there is currently a dramatic miniseries on Hulu called The Act, which is based off of this story as well. I'm hoping that even if you are familiar with this case, that I can present some new information and details that you haven't heard before. This case is truly shocking and disturbing and something that only seems possible in like a Lifetime movie. Um, I think that's why this story really has grabbed the public's attention because it is just so bizarre and unusual and it's hard to believe that this really happened to someone. I wasn't going to do an episode on this case because I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there right now about this and it's getting a little overdone maybe, but I've actually had numerous requests from friends and family to do this episode, so I'm going to do it and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. As always, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Weird on the Rocks Podcast and the website at weirdontherocks.weebly.com. Please subscribe wherever you're listening right now and go rate and review the show on iTunes. It means so much to me. Thank you. Before we get into the good stuff, I want to share this week's beverage of choice. Tonight, I'm kind of cheating um, and being lazy because I'm drinking a canned cocktail. This is actually a gin and tonic from the brand Old Grove. It has gin, tonic water, and some extra flavors like cucumber and grapefruit. So it's a little different from a traditional gin and tonic, but it's really crisp and refreshing. And it's really good and perfect for nights where you're feeling lazy and you don't want to make your own cocktail. What a world we live in where we can just buy canned cocktails now. I love it. I'm a big fan. I'm definitely going to buy more of these during the summer. I can picture myself in my pool right now drinking one of these. So, all right, and let's get into it. Cheers, and let's get weird. get into the story of Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard, I want to explain exactly what Munchausen by Proxy is. So Munchausen by Proxy is a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes an illness or injury in a person under his or her care, such as a child, an elderly adult, or a person who has a disability. Because vulnerable people are the victims, Munchausen's is a form of child or elder abuse. Most cases are between a caregiver, usually a mother, and a child, but it can involve any vulnerable person who has a caregiver. 
The caregiver might display behaviors such as lying about the child's symptoms, changing test results to make a child appear to be ill, physically harming the child to produce symptoms, having the child get painful medical tests that they don't need, and in many cases, the child may actually become ill, and in some cases, it has actually resulted in the death of a child. Children who are victims of Munchausen's can have lifelong physical and emotional problems and may have Munchausen's themselves as adults, where an adult causes or falsely reports his or her own symptoms. Most people who have Munchausen's have specific characteristics in common, such as they have medical skills or experience, they seem devoted to their child, they look for sympathy and attention, they try too hard to become close and friendly with medical staff, they need to feel powerful and in control, does not see his or her behavior as harmful. Most cases of Munchausen's occur in women, but there are some documented cases of men as well. As with many mental health disorders, medical professionals and researchers are unsure exactly what causes it. Most believe it is a combination of biological and physiological factors, and that people who are diagnosed with Munchausen's were also emotionally, sexually, or physically abused as children themselves. And just like with many forms of child abuse, it seems to be a toxic cycle within families. If you believe your friend or family member might have Munchausen's, it is recommended that you do not confront the individual yourself because it can make the situation worse. Talk to your medical provider about your concerns or make a report to your local child welfare agency. Dee Dee Blanchard was born Claudine Petre in Chack Bay, Louisiana, near the Gulf Coast in 1967 and grew up with her family in nearby Golden Meadow. Dee Dee was the daughter of Claude Anthony Petre Sr. and Emma Louise Gisclair. Dee Dee had five siblings, Claude Jr., Claudia, Evans, Dorla, and Todd. Dee Dee's family members say that she exhibited odd and often criminal behavior growing up, such as stealing from them when she didn't get her way. When Dee Dee was a young adult, she often wrote bad checks and committed credit card fraud by opening cards in family members' names. As Dee Dee grew older, she also grew apart from her family members and did not maintain close relationships with any of them. Her family, including her own father, used words like manipulative, compulsive, and evil to describe Dee Dee. Dee Dee's stepmother, Laura, even claims that Dee Dee tried to kill her by putting the weed killer Roundup in her food, which resulted in Laura being bedridden for months. And there is even speculation amongst Dee Dee's family that she played a role in her own mother's death in 1997 by withholding food from her. When Dee Dee was in her early 20s, she went to school and began working as a nurse's aide. She was especially interested in medicine. When Dee Dee was 24, she met then 17-year-old Rod Blanchard. Rod recalled that Dee Dee was different from the other girls he knew, and he was attracted to the fact that she was older and a nurse. After just a few months of dating, Dee Dee became pregnant. With pressure from their families, Rod and Dee Dee decided to get married, although Rod now says they got married for all the wrong reasons, and he never truly loved Dee Dee. In 1991, Dee Dee gave birth to a healthy baby girl they named Gypsy Rose, named after the 20th century burlesque dancer by the same name. Against Dee Dee's wishes, Rod decided to end the marriage, and Dee Dee took her newborn daughter to live with her family. Rod sent Dee Dee money for Gypsy every month. Almost immediately after the birth of Gypsy Rose, Dee Dee began to think something was wrong with her baby, and by the age of three months, Dee Dee was convinced that Gypsy had sleep apnea. She took her to the hospital several times for overnight sleep studies and tests, 
but doctors couldn't find any evidence that she suffered from sleep apnea. But Dee Dee wasn't convinced and said the doctors had it wrong. Over the first few years of Gypsy's life, Dee Dee claimed that she suffered from numerous medical issues that couldn't be diagnosed and eventually concluded that Gypsy had a chromosomal disorder that caused her to be very sickly with a compromised immune system. When Gypsy was seven years old, she was involved in an accident on her grandfather's motorcycle and had some abrasions on her knee. Dee Dee was convinced that the injury was worse than the doctors said and that Gypsy's legs would be compromised. From this time on, Gypsy was told she couldn't walk and was confined to a wheelchair, even though several family members saw Gypsy walk numerous times. Gypsy wasn't allowed to play with friends, go on trips, ride a bike, jump on a trampoline, go swimming, or partake in any normal childhood activities. Shortly after this motorcycle accident, Dee Dee decided to homeschool Gypsy and became her full-time caregiver, receiving payments from the state to do so. Dee Dee often said that Gypsy's mental development was delayed due to the various illnesses she had had as well as her chromosomal disorder, and that she was stuck with the brain of a seven-year-old. Over the next few years, Gypsy would visit the hospital over 100 times for numerous operations and tests. Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy Rose suffered from the following ailments. Problems with eyes and ears, which resulted in Gypsy wearing glasses and having hearing aids. Digestive system issues, which resulted in Gypsy getting a feeding tube and having all her food delivered to her in a liquid form. Asthma, sleep apnea, which resulted in Gypsy having a CPAP machine to help her breathe at night. Epilepsy, anemia, muscular dystrophy, leukemia, which resulted in Dee Dee shaving Gypsy's head, telling her, you're going to lose your hair anyway. Lung disease, a heart murmur, and mental delay. Dee Dee was also convinced that Gypsy's teeth weren't strong enough, so she had most of her teeth removed as well as her salivary glands. Just looking at Gypsy, you could tell she was very sick. She was always in her wheelchair with a shaved head, no teeth, and often wearing a hat. She looked like a little girl and even talked in a high-pitched baby voice. I'm going to play a clip right now of Gypsy Rose talking, and this is from today's TMJ4 News Channel. I remember my mom had gave me this little glass house, and she said, this one day this will be real. And now it finally is. Sadly... Over time, Gypsy actually did begin to suffer from some medical issues due to the elaborate regimen of medicine she was on. The medications often induced symptoms that therefore needed to be treated, and it was a vicious, mentally and physically exhausting cycle for Gypsy. In order to evade concern and questions from others, Dee Dee and Gypsy moved across state lines multiple times, never truly making any friends. Dee Dee also claimed that all of Gypsy's medical records were lost in Hurricane Katrina, and therefore she could only rely on her memory and personal notes. As they traveled from state to state, they would usually move into small towns where everyone would eventually know who they were, and the community would rally around them. There were numerous fundraisers and charity events put on in Gypsy's honor over the years, and eventually Dee Dee and Gypsy ended up in Springfield, Missouri, where Habitat for Humanity custom-built them a home. It was a huge community event and was broadcast on the news. In addition to all of the physical abuse and torture Dee Dee put Gypsy through, she also tormented her emotionally and mentally. Dee Dee controlled every aspect of Gypsy's life. Gypsy was not allowed to speak when they visited the doctor, and Dee Dee often had her go into another room or give her a stuffed animal to play with and reminded her to not speak or move her legs. 
When speaking to others, Dee Dee always held Gypsy's hand and would squeeze it if Gypsy said something wrong or was asked a question Dee Dee didn't want her to answer. Dee Dee would often hit Gypsy with her open palm or with clothes hangers and even handcuffed her to the bed on numerous occasions. Dee Dee also forced Gypsy to sleep in her bed with her every night. There literally wasn't a second of the day that Dee Dee was not surveilling Gypsy and micromanaging her behavior. Gypsy was basically a hostage in her own life and had zero autonomy or freedom. Dee Dee wanted to keep Gypsy in a very juvenile and subordinate role and only let her watch Disney movies and read Harry Potter, although at this time, unbeknownst to Gypsy, she was 18 years old. On her 18th birthday, her father Rod called her to wish her a happy birthday, and Dee Dee was adamant that he not tell Gypsy her real age and that she thought she was turning 15. Rod thought it was odd, but agreed because he trusted Dee Dee. And Rod wasn't the only one in Gypsy's life to fail her. On one occasion, the police were even called out to their house for a welfare check because they received an anonymous call about suspected child abuse. Dee Dee was able to manipulate and talk her way out of the questions, and Gypsy gave them rehearsed answers to their questions. Gypsy also saw dozens of doctors and nurses over the years that also fell under Dee Dee's manipulative and charming spell. There was one pediatric neurologist who suspected something was off about Dee Dee and wrote in his notes that mom isn't a good historian. But when he brought up his concern to coworkers, they all told him that Dee Dee and Gypsy were their best patients who brought in a lot of business and to let it go. In 2012, when Gypsy was 21, she went to a comic convention dressed up as Cinderella. At this convention, she met an older man who was dressed as a stormtrooper. Dee Dee didn't approve of the two of them conversing and wheeled Gypsy away when she realized what was happening, but not before the two of them exchanged phone numbers. Gypsy had secretly purchased a burner phone that Dee Dee didn't know about, and Gypsy and this man began texting. After a few weeks of talking, the man convinced Gypsy to escape from her mom and come to his house. When Dee Dee was asleep, Gypsy fled to this man's house. When Dee Dee awoke and realized Gypsy wasn't home and her wheelchair was still in the house, she immediately assumed it was the man from the convention, and she called the police with his name that she had written down. Dee Dee brought Gypsy home and smashed her phone. Soon after this incident, Dee Dee drafted a legal document stating that Gypsy was unfit to make her own decisions and waived her legal rights to Dee Dee and forced Gypsy to sign it. Around this time, Dee Dee was diagnosed with diabetes and she was severely overweight, making her very tired and needing to rest a lot. This resulted in Gypsy being alone more than she had ever been. Gypsy took some money from inside the home and secretly purchased another burner phone and laptop during a trip to the mall with Dee Dee. Late at night, when Dee Dee was fast asleep, Gypsy began surfing the web, and she ended up on a Christian dating site where she began talking to a boy named Nicholas Godijon. Within four days of talking online, they began an internet relationship. They would text and video chat daily. Things quickly turned romantic between the two, and Gypsy began exploring her sexuality, something that had always been forbidden for her. Nicholas was into BDSM and liked to be the dominant partner, and Gypsy took on the role of being submissive. She would call him sir and take pictures of herself tied up. Nick revealed to Gypsy that he also had multiple personalities and wanted a partner for each of his personalities, including a 500-year-old vampire named Victor, which he called his evil side. Gypsy secretly purchased different outfits and wigs and created new names for each of her characters, including Kitty and Ruby. Gypsy used her mother's illness and lack of energy to her advantage and texted or video chatted with Nick every chance she got. 
After almost two years of talking, Gypsy and Nick decided it was time to meet. They had to make it look like a random encounter because Dee Dee had no idea that Gypsy had access to a phone and computer. One afternoon, Gypsy and Dee Dee went to see the live-action Cinderella movie in the theater, complete with Gypsy wearing her own Cinderella costume. Nick took the bus from a few hours away and was standing in the theater lobby when Dee Dee and Gypsy entered. He opened the door for Gypsy and stood very close to them in line. Once inside the theater, Dee Dee, Gypsy, and Nicholas were the only patrons. Nick sat right behind them, which understandably made Dee Dee feel uncomfortable. She wheeled Gypsy to another row, and Nick moved near them again. Dee Dee asked him to leave them alone, and Nick left the movie. Gypsy said something to her mom about him seeming nice, but Dee Dee told her daughter she thought he was a pervert, and it was weird for a grown man to be watching Cinderella alone. After a while, Gypsy asked to use the restroom, and Dee Dee was so engrossed in the film, she allowed Gypsy to take herself. Nick was waiting in the lobby and followed Gypsy into the restroom, where she says they had sex on the bathroom floor. After the movie, Gypsy recalls Dee Dee still talking about how the man in the theater creeped her out, and Gypsy was disappointed that her plan to have her mom and Nick meet had backfired. Shortly after their botched theater plan, Nick and Gypsy decided that something needed to change. They wanted to be together, to get a place together, to go on vacation, and eventually get married. Gypsy spent hours online researching wedding dresses and Hawaiian honeymoons. They realized that their relationship would never happen with Dee Dee in the picture, and Gypsy came to the epiphany that she would never have any true type of freedom with her mother constantly around, controlling her every move. So they began to make a plan. Nick explained to Gypsy that his evil side, whom he referred to as Victor, wanted to kill Dee Dee. In a text, Gypsy said to Nick, Victor, will you please come kill my mother because I can't do it myself. In another text, Nick told her, Honey, you forget I am ruthless and my hatred of her will force her to die. On the night of June 14th, 2015, Nicholas Godejohn took the bus to Springfield, Missouri and got off at the Habitat for Humanity built house that Gypsy and Dee Dee lived in. While Dee Dee was getting ready for bed, Nick stood outside the home waiting. Gypsy texted him asking, Hun, does he require just the gloves and knife? Referring to Godejohn's evil side. And he replied, he needs duct tape too. Gypsy also said, I'll hand him the knife and the duct tape inside, darling. Once Dee Dee was asleep, Gypsy told Nick it was time to come inside. Gypsy handed Nick the gloves and the knife, and she went into the bathroom where she covered her ears. Nick went into the bedroom where Dee Dee was asleep and murdered her by stabbing her multiple times in the back. Later, Gypsy recalls thinking and feeling nothing as she stood in the bathroom waiting for her mother to die. When Nick was finished, he retrieved Gypsy from the bathroom and took her into her bedroom where he proceeded to have what Gypsy would refer to as violent and non-consensual sex. The two then took $4,000 from Dee Dee's stash, called a taxi, and went to a nearby hotel. Nick and Gypsy stayed in the hotel for two days, watching TV, eating fast food, and having sex. Then they purchased a bubble-wrapped mailing envelope and mailed the murder weapon, a knife from Gypsy's kitchen, to go to John's house. Gypsy and Nick then got on a bus and went to Nick's house where his mother and stepfather lived. They told them that Gypsy's mom had abandoned her and that she had been staying in a shelter. Nick's parents allowed her to stay and recalled her being very polite and soft-spoken. On the second day of their stay, Nicholas's stepfather intercepted a package addressed to Nick, and when Gypsy saw him examining the envelope, she said, Oh, I think that's for me. His stepfather handed it over and said, I don't ever open people's mail. 
but remembers thinking it was odd that she was already receiving mail at their house. Gypsy began to worry about her mother's dead body lying in her home alone and wanted someone to find her without admitting that she had something to do with it. Gypsy decided to send a message that would worry people. She logged into the joint Facebook account her and Dee Dee shared called D. Jip Blanchard and wrote, That bitch is dead. A post that is actually still up and viewable on Facebook to this day. Within minutes, people began to worry, many of them posting, Dee Dee, are you okay? And, wow, you must be watching a scary movie. After no response, family, friends, and neighbors began to call the home, and when nobody answered, they began to be concerned. Eventually, the police were called to the home where they found a dead Dee Dee and a missing gypsy. Early on, police and the public believed Gypsy had nothing to do with her mother's murder and was considered a missing person. But neighbors who were allowed in the home noticed Gypsy's only wheelchair was still in the home and their car was still in the driveway. These details made Gypsy quickly become a person of interest in Dee Dee's murder and a be on the lookout was issued for her. Soon, the security camera footage of Gypsy and Nick at the hotel was seized by police and a name was matched to the man seen with Gypsy. Police soon came to go to John's residence, and after finding the murder weapon that was mailed to Nicholas with both his and Gypsy's fingerprints on it, they arrested Gypsy Rose and Nicholas go to John for the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard. Once at the police station, Nick and Gypsy were interviewed separately, and you can find these videos on YouTube. Nick immediately confessed to the murder of Dee Dee and explained how and why the act was carried out. Gypsy played the role of concerned daughter and acted shocked and horrified when police informed her that her mother was dead. But after police explained that they knew she had something to do with it and that they had the murder weapon in their possession, Gypsy soon began to crack and confessed to her role in the murder. Nicholas Godijohn's mother and stepfather were both interviewed and were extremely upset when presented with the information about Nick mailing the murder weapon to their house. Nick's mother explained that he had autism and Asperger's and that he has a history of irrational behavior, including watching pornography and masturbating in a McDonald's for nine hours. Nick and Gypsy began their trials together, but after both their attorneys requested for them to be separated due to the differences between the two defendants, the judge honored their request. At this time, the consensus amongst the public was that Gypsy Rose was acting in self-defense, while Nicholas Godijohn had major mental health issues. When Gypsy entered the courtroom, people were astounded to see her walk, which everyone thought was impossible. Gypsy's dad, Rod, and his wife, Christy, were in attendance and began talking on the phone regularly with Gypsy. Gypsy was 24 when her trial began, but she thought that she was only 18. She pled guilty to the murder of her mother and was sentenced to 10 years in prison with possibility of parole in 2024 at the age of 31. The court chose a 10-year sentence, which is unheard of in a first-degree murder case, because of the special circumstances surrounding the case. The judge explained that he wanted Gypsy to serve time for what she had done, but took into account the years of physical, mental, and emotional abuse she had endured at the hands of her own mother. Nicholas Godijohn also pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. Gypsy Rose has now been in prison for three years and has done a handful of interviews. She has gained 14 pounds and no longer looks frail and malnourished. Her hair has grown and is long and curly. She no longer wears glasses and her teeth have been fixed. She had her feeding tube removed and is off all her medications. She looks like a beautiful and very normal looking young woman. 
Gypsy has explained that she felt trapped in her life and didn't know what else to do. In retrospect, she wishes she would have called her father and explained what Dee Dee was doing, but she was scared and didn't think he would believe her. She says that she feels freshly born and would rather spend 10 years in jail than another 10 years with her mother. Gypsy has also reflected upon her relationship with Nicholas Godajohn, saying that she realizes now how unhealthy their relationship was and how mentally ill Godajohn truly is. She says she is excited for the future and will be released at a young enough age that she can still make a life for herself. Gypsy and her father and stepmother have remained very close and they visit her often. Her father, Rod, holds a lot of guilt over everything and regrets not stepping in sooner or questioning Dee Dee. Gypsy says she does not blame her father or anyone else for what happened to her. Dee Dee's family has also stood by Gypsy and do not blame her for what she did. Dee Dee's own father and stepmother said that Dee Dee got what she deserved and that after she was cremated, no one in the family even wanted her ashes, so they flushed them down the toilet. Just one month ago, Gypsy told the media that she is newly engaged to a man she has been corresponding with for the last year and a half. Her aunt told the press that Gypsy and her fiancé are both very excited for the future, but will wait until she is released to make any wedding plans. So, I want to inject some of my own thoughts and opinions on this case. I watched the HBO documentary Mommy Dead and Dearest when it first came out in 2017, and I remember being so disgusted and also so intrigued by this story. Um, nobody was really talking about the case at that point, and I'd actually just stumbled upon the documentary accidentally. I remember going to my friend's house that night, and I couldn't shut up about it, and I just kept talking about how messed up the story was, and it really stuck with me and had me thinking a lot. It's honestly one of those stories that just keeps getting weirder and weirder as it goes on. There's all the sad and horrific things that happened to Gypsy, then the bizarre sexual relationship her and Nick had, and then to top it off, there's a violent murder. It has everything that I would like in a, you know, a Lifetime movie or a crazy movie, but it really happened to someone. Um, Hulu just recently released a mini series called The Act, which I've watched and I really enjoyed. And it kind of once again got everyone talking about this case and it's on everyone's radar again. Dr. Phil even just started his own podcast dedicated solely to the Gypsy Rose story. I've mentioned this case to a few people and most people know what I'm talking about and it has been very requested for me to do an episode on it. A few weeks ago, I actually posted a funny kind of meme video on my Instagram about Gypsy Rose and it has over 40,000 views when my other videos have like 100 views. So it's definitely a popular thing and all these people are tagging their friends in it and commenting on it. It's just a wild story that I think hooks a lot of people. And basically what I'm saying is people are eating this shit up. They love this story. The consensus I find online is that most people believe that Gypsy Rose does not deserve the 10-year sentence she got. I actually did a poll on my Instagram asking if her prison sentence was fair, and only one person voted yes. I think I agree with the judge that Gypsy needed to serve some time because, after all, she was part of a premeditated murder of her mother, but I don't think 10 years is necessary. I think Gypsy mostly needs a lot of support from her family and a lot of mental health counseling, but I don't believe she is a danger to herself or to society, but I do believe Nicholas Godajohn is. I think his sentence of life in prison is fair and that he should never have possibility of parole. 
I honestly believe that it, if any of us were put through the torture that Gypsy endured, that any of us could have done the same thing that she did. That girl was held captive in her own life and her own body, and she truly saw no other way out. I hope that she is able to make peace with what she did, and I really hope that she's able to move forward and live a normal life. But I'm really curious to hear what you guys think. Um, as always, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Weird on the Rocks Podcast and my site, weirdontherocks.weebly.com. Let me know what you guys think about this. Um, have you heard of this story before? What are your initial thoughts? Do you think that their sentences are fair? Just let me know what you guys are thinking. I love hearing from you. And I really appreciate you joining me today. And until next time, cheers and stay weird. Stay weird.